Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here is a quick announcement. Our October heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their family, and loved ones is currently available at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. October's theme is Awesome. The Enchanting Season of Mindfulness. By the way, our November edition will be live this Saturday. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our Lunchtime Kitchen Table Conversation today, my guest is Amy Newmark, the Publisher and Editor-in-Chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Wonderful Wacky Family, 101 Loving Stories About Our Crazy Quirky Families. Hi, Amy. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on to talk about our new, quite hilarious book. <laughs> wonderful. Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Wonderful Wacky Family, is an interesting and entertaining read. The stories are really funny and is the perfect book to remind us to find humor in everything we do, especially for the upcoming family holiday season. So congratulations on its release, which was yesterday. Yeah, and we did put it out in time for... Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, all those family events when it's worth reminding people, yeah, Mm -hmm. your family is eccentric and weird (laughs) and quirky and crazy, but you still love them. So this book is a way to get prepared for the holiday season and remind you that you really wouldn't want any other family members than the ones that you have. And the stories are just so funny. And I think that they give you a different way of viewing your own family. When you see mm-hmm. the contributors to the book writing about their weird family members with love and amusement and tolerance, it's really, it, it sets a good example for all of us to approach <laughs> our family members with that same attitude. Right, right. So true. What was the inspiration behind this very interesting book? Well, We've done really well with humor books. We put out mm-hmm. one called Laughter is the Best Medicine in the spring of 2020. Mm-hmm. Then we did Read, Laugh, Repeat in the spring of 2021. Then we did Too Funny in the spring of 2022. And we discovered that humor was a whole new genre <laughs> for Chicken Soup for the Soul and that people love getting these collections of funny stories from us. So then we decided you know what, we've got enough material on family members. Let's do a second funny book in 2022. So we had Uh, our funny one in April called Too Funny, mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. now we have My Wonderful Wacky Family in November. But, you know, we're always known as a self-help publishing brand, 
but mm-hmm. we've really gone way outside of self-help and way more into entertainment with this new line of humor books. I feel like it's still self-help because it's a good reminder for us, as I mentioned, to find humor in everything we do. And in just that wonderful moment, we build connections. Well, you're right. It is self-help in that regard. But when you're reading it, you're just plain entertained. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you're not thinking, oh, I should go and use my positive <laughs> thinking or, or whatever you would find in one of our more traditional self-help books. So That's, this right. Is like That's right. Self-help served with a spoonful of sugar. There you go. There you go. Well, it's wonderful that way because we don't have to be stiff about it, but have fun. <laughs> yeah, and we had fun with the cover of the book. I happen mm-hmm. to love meerkats, and I think meerkats are very popular right now, but mm-hmm. they're just the funniest-looking creatures. They stand up there, and they have kind of like a human aspect to them when they're standing and peering out with their funny little pointy faces, and we had a single meerkat on the cover of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Read, Laugh, Repeat, and that book did incredibly well for us. Mm -hmm. So we had originally made a cover for this new book um, with human beings on the cover, four kind of funny-looking human beings right? um, who you could imagine being, you know, your eccentric relatives. (laughs) And then we scrapped that cover, and instead we went and found a family of meerkats. And so we have five meerkats on the cover of this book. And they're all standing there looking kind of quizzical and kind of interesting. (laughs) And you could really imagine them having human, you know, character traits. Right. So it's a really cute cover also. (laughs) Well, that's really wonderful. And it's very engaging. And I know chicken soup books are very... You and I talk about this one time. We all, whether we like it or not, we are subconsciously biased because what we see, what we like, it touch feels good. We want to get it. And chicken soup has that wonderful warm feeling to it. Yeah, the great things about our books is they look really good. And so mm-hmm. you can give it as a gift to somebody knowing, like, this is a very attractive book that they're going to feel really happy leaving out on their coffee table or their night table <laughs> And we really work hard to make our covers extremely engaging. There you go. And especially for this one, though, because if you want to give it to your wacky family member, it's an extension of funny love, I guess. That would be the best way to put it. And it's beautiful. It's heartwarming. Well, and by calling the book My (laughs) Wonderful Wacky Family, you're saying to that family member who you're giving the book to, I really appreciate you and all your weirdness. Yeah, And here's a whole Mm -hmm. book of stories of appreciation for weird relatives. And probably your weird relative will be like, I don't know why you're giving this to me. I'm the only one who's normal in this family. There you go. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) How many stories did Chicken Soup receive for this book? You know, I wasn't wasn't involved in reading, like, Mm -hmm. all the submissions that came in originally because I just read, you know, the final few hundred, like, semifinalists. Lucky you. Yeah, I was told that we got thousands of stories. I mean, oh, that's wow. what we get for each of our books. We always get thousands of submissions. And then yeah. um, we have a whole team of editors who read all the stories that are submitted mm-hmm. and then, you know, narrow it down to a few hundred that our associate publisher and I read. And then I make the final choice for what's going to go mm-hmm. into the book. 
Mm-hmm. So I have the really fun part of the job. <laughs> That's very good. Well, tell us the chapter topics covered in the book. So um, chapter one is called Sometimes You Just Have to Laugh. Um, you know, sometimes a relative is just so weird. All you can do is laugh. <laughs> Uh, chapter two is called Relatively Embarrassing. Chapter three is about marriage, and so it's called Happily Ever Laughter. Um, chapter four is called We're All Nuts Here. <laughs> chapter five is called Dad Did What? Uh, chapter six is called Not So Grave, and here we make even death funny. <laughs> chapter seven is called Family Fun, and that's just about you know, families, traditions and games they play mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Chapter eight is called Grand and Great. And it's about grandparents and great grandparents and, you know, great aunts, that kind of thing. Chapter nine is called Mom Did What? Chapter 10 is called In-Laws and Outlaws. And that was just my way of playing <laughs> around with in-laws and kind of saying, like, your in-laws could be so bizarre and do such strange things that they're almost like outlaws. Uh, chapter 11 <laughs> is called Family Bonding. And Chapter 12 is called Kids Will Be Kids. You know, I never want to yeah. have too many stories about kids because these are not books about kids. But yeah. I'll take the best kid stories we have and have one chapter of kid stories. So this is the cream of the crop of kid stories, and they're really funny. They are. They're really funny. Before we get started, though, we got to talk about your very interesting story. So tell us about that. (laughs) Oh, so I wrote a story for the in-laws and outlaws chapter. And it was just, you know, a crazy, spontaneous thing that my husband and I did with his sister and brother-in-law and his brother and sister-in-law. So the six Mm -hmm. of us, uh, we were all hanging out together together. and, and we all live in different places, but we happened to all be together at my sister-in-law's house. And um, none of our kids were around. So nobody was judging us. It was just the six <laughs> of us. And it was February, and it was cold, and we were lazy. And I think it was already noon, and we hadn't left the kitchen yet. And all we wanted to do was sit around the kitchen table. We didn't want to do anything else. Um, and so we got to talking about pickles because uh, my brother-in-law Fred was talking about how bread and butter pickles are the best and then <laughs> B&G pickles are the best of those and he could always tell a B&G pickle from any other kind of pickle so we decided to put him to a test and my husband and I had just gone to this um, resort in Pennsylvania called Woodlock where um, we did these wine tastings where they would bring us out flights mm-hmm. of wine and mm-hmm. And then you had to fill out a scorecard with, like, the the rating you thought the wine should have. And, yeah. um, you know, we were using, like, the Robert Parker scale where the really good wines get scores in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So when we did that, I was just on fire. And so um, <laughs> I, got, I got the numbers right for all the wines. And, mm-hmm. um, and, in fact, one of the wines – they said I was wrong, and I'm like, no, that's not true. I bet I bet that the vintage on the card isn't the same vintage that you served. And it turned out I was right, and my score was actually right for the vintage that they served. 
Um, so I really thought that I had a great palate, you know, after mm-hmm. triumphing, you know, I, I was, I was so triumphant at these wine tastings. Um, so anyway, we sat down. It turned out that my sister-in-law couldn't always find B&G pickles for her husband. So she had four different kinds of B&G pickles in the house. So we did a pickle tasting. And so we did a blind pickle tasting that my sister-in-law, Denise, ran. And so we each had four pickles in front of us, A, B, C, D. She was the only one who knew which <laughs> brand was what. And then we tasted our four pickles. We wrote down our tasting notes. And we had to evaluate stuff like cut, color, clarity, mm-hmm. um, spiciness, aftertaste, nose, which was really like a wine term, but we, we yeah. had that. We just we were just goofing around and then we um I mean this this whole thing took us like two hours. We this was crazy. <laughs> and we doing this this pickle tasting. And so then we all said which ones we liked the best and then we we videotaped the whole thing too, which helped me in writing the story because this had happened three <laughs> years ago and I didn't remember all the details. But it was completely accurate because I had the video. Um, and then we all it turned out Fred was right. He could identify a B&G bread and butter mm-hmm. pickle. Um, my sister-in-law, Mary, and I picked a stop and shop as the best. So we picked the least expensive <laughs> bread and butter pickle. The guys all picked B&G, which was the most expensive. But mm-hmm. we just had a blast. And so I wrote about it in my story that's called Pickle Days. It's beautiful. It's really wonderful. What's interesting is that it reminded me that years ago, remember when Coca-Cola came out with the new Coke, right? And there was oh, a yeah, big it was awful. Thing. Yeah, and so some guy was complaining big time. I mean, he was like really into it, right? And then Coca-Cola invited him to do a taste test, and guess what? He chose the new Coke. <laughs> oh, did he? Well, it, but there was yeah. a difference between them. But I remember when that new Coke was coming out, I yeah. went to the store and stocked up on as much old Coke as I could uh-huh. because uh-huh. – my first husband was really into Coke, and so I got him yeah. as much as I could. And mm-hmm. um, and then I think Coke ended up giving up on new Coke and switching back to the old formula. Yeah, yeah. But it was really funny because, like you say, someone's, oh, man, I, I could tell this. And they did a Coke test on him, and he chose a new one. <laughs> well, there were plenty of other people who chose the old one, including me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What would you like to have the readers gain from reading my wonderful wacky family? I I want them to, I guess, develop a new appreciation for -hmm. their own family members. And I think they will, because when you read these stories, it reminds you of your own favorite family stories and also opens your eyes to how someone else could view that relative who you might think is sometimes annoying So I just think that after you read these stories, you'll end up feeling even better about your own family and in very good shape for the holiday season. (laughs) So true. So true. Did you learn something special while putting the book together? Uh, I guess I actually learned a bunch of cool things in the book. Um, it gave me some good ideas for things mm-hmm. to do. Um, there was a story that I think you and I might talk about when we get to mm-hmm. the chapter that it's in. It was about um, 
making pancakes with designs in them. And I read that mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, I'm going to try that. So it definitely gave, the book gave me some ideas for things that I could try myself. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's really, really wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. And here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and fashion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Wonderful Wacky Family, 101 Loving Stories About Our Crazy Quirky Families. Amy, let's start and talk about some of the stories in the book. Chapter 1, Sometimes You Just Have to Laugh. And this is a wonderful story, Queen of the Cautionary Tale by Joshua Mark. And by the way, I do have to tell you, you have some wonderful male contributors this time around. Hooray for us. Yes, we do. <laughs> we definitely do. So, uh, yeah, Joshua writes for us often. This was such a fun story, and that's why I made it the first story in the whole book. So <laughs> Joshua's mom was you know, trying to instill fear and caution into her children so that they wouldn't do anything dangerous. So she she always told them these cautionary tales about, you know, some children who had done blah, 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 and then ended up dead. So, mm-hmm. you know, she she told them a story about a little boy who didn't wear socks with his shoes, and he developed a blister on his foot, and he got blood poisoning, and he was later found in an alley dead. You know, every story with her ended with the word dad. Mm-hmm. And then she told Joshua and his siblings a story about a little girl who didn't look both ways before she ran off the school bus. Dad. When Joshua and his brother started driving, the stories evolved to be, you know, more pertinent to teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so this was one about the importance of clearing the exhaust pipe of the car. You know, like if you were um, warming up the car during a snowstorm, but you hadn't cleared the snow away from the exhaust pipe, you shouldn't sit in the car because you mm-hmm. could get carbon monoxide poisoning. And mm-hmm. she was like, you don't want to wind up like those Stevens boys. You know, they hadn't cleared the exhaust and they suffocated on carbon monoxide. They were later found in the front seat together dead. Then when Joshua got married, the stories changed. But again, always they were about things where you could end up dead. And so I just thought it was a really cute um, story, and I could just imagine his mom doing that and how the kids would have been rolling their eyes at that time, but still taking away the message and running their lives a little more safely. Right. Well, the beauty of it is the mom is trying to be like, this is absolute. That's it. Dead. I know, I know, really funny. (laughs) Really, really funny. I I could see that in a sitcom or something. It was great. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Do you have a favorite story or one of the stories that you really like in Chapter 1? Well, the second story, so another, you know, obviously I really liked it if I put it as the second story (laughs) in the book. It's called You're Ruining Your Divorce, and it's by Robin Jankowitz. So, um, Robin's parents got divorced, but remained really great friends. And um, 
and they ended up like helping each other all the time. And then um, her mom got remarried, but then got divorced again and was sleeping in her like Winnebago camper and asked if she could park the Winnebago in the driveway of her first husband, which she did. And, um, and then Robbins discovered one day that her mom had moved into the house with Robin's dad, um, you know, her mom's first husband. Mm-hmm. And so then they started getting on each other's nerves. These, these two exes who had had such a great relationship <laughs> and were such good friends really started getting on each other's nerves. And finally, Robin said to her parents, I just can't take this anymore. I can't stand the two of you under the same roof. Mom and dad, I love you, but this is too close for comfort. Living together is ruining your divorce. So, and then she, she says she loves her parents dearly, but she does not love them when they're together. So I just thought that was really funny and a great example of, you know, unusual arrangements that people can have. Um, we have a few good divorce stories in this book mm-hmm. about divorced couples who remain very friendly with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing about it is it's not about the divorce. Is that like, okay, you can't get along. <laughs> And so, but it's wonderful. It's the human side of the equation, and that's what it's all about. And the daughter calling it out the way it is. So chapter two, relatively embarrassing. I love this story. Anne's V's Hat by Donna Anderson. This is really cool. So Donna was um, in her front yard playing with her sons when her Aunt V came walking up the street, waving at her. And she said, you, Donna, come and see my new hat. Well, she had on her head this large straw hat with a floppy brim and like a flat top. And it looked like an awful hat as far as Donna could tell. (laughs) But Donna said, you know, her aunt always marched to the beat of her own drum. And then her aunt said that she got it on sale for $1.49. And look at this large rim that really protects your face and neck from the sun. And then she whipped off the hat to show Donna. And she said, look, it's lined with plastic inside, so it's waterproof. And that's when Donna realized that her Aunt V was wearing one of those straw planters. Mm -hmm. You know those, like, woven straw planters that have the plastic lining? Um, Mm -hmm. And they could look like an upside-down hat. Well, her Aunt V said that everybody had been staring her at the store. She had found this, you know, great collection of dollar forty nine hats. And she said they came in all sizes, even children's sizes. And she spent twenty minutes trying them on at the store. And she said they were in the garden department though. But I thought that maybe they were so you could keep the sun off your face when you were gardening. Anyway, Donna couldn't even speak by then. She was laughing so hard at her Aunt V. So Aunt V was very proud of wearing her straw planter holder, you know, that it, I just thought, and I could just imagine, I know exactly what those planters look like with the plastic <laughs> lining. So that was very cute. <laughs> it is. It's a wonderful story. And there's so many wonderful stories in the book. It's just amazing. What I like about it is that we talk about a lot, like, well, go to this section of the book and if you like this, read that and so forth. But to me, this is one book that you could read Story by story, don't you think? <laughs> oh, every single story is fabulous. I mean, there, 
It's 101 great experiences. The next story in this chapter that I really like, too, is really, really funny, is Opera Night at the Movies by Pamela Dunash. So this is another story about a great aunt. And uh, in this case, (laughs) Pamela's great aunt was named Margita. And um, when Pamela was young, her great aunt took her to see the movie Mary Poppins in New York. Um, I'm thinking it might have been at um, Radio City, but I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. it was a large, you know, it was a really large movie theater, very ornate. And her her great aunt had gone to the Juilliard School of Music in Manhattan and had studied, you know, opera singing. Um, and she had toured the world as a member of the New York City Opera Company. So she was a professional opera singer. Well, Mary Poppins has some great songs, including that one that goes, let's go fly a kite up where the air is light. Well, when that song came on, great aunt Margita stood up, turned around to face the bulk of the audience, which was behind them because they were sitting near the front and sang confidently and powerfully the entire song as if she had been invited to do so. And when the song was finished, she calmly turned around and sat back down and the entire audience stood up and gave her a, a standing ovation. This is while the movie is going on. And uh, Pamela had been embarrassed, but ended up being <laughs> very proud of her great aunt for this. So I thought that was really great. A great example of how you can be embarrassed by somebody when you really should be proud of them. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. Actually, to me, the story comes across as just being bold and confident. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I thought what her aunt did was great. And I'm, <laughs> I could just imagine that it was at Radio City because when I was a kid, we used to go there to watch uh-huh. the big movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I imagined it was probably there. And it's, you know, a humongous theater <laughs> uh, with, you know, thousands of people in the audience. Oh, wonderful. Chapter three, Happily Ever Laughter. And this is a real good one. For Better or For Worse by Marissa Mitchell. So this is another good divorce story. Uh, And Marissa starts off this story by talking about being the best man, except she was a woman, at her ex-husband's wedding because she and her ex-husband had started off as childhood friends. And then they got married because they were such good friends and they were a boy and a girl. So they just thought, well, we're such good friends and we really love each other. We should get married. But it turned out they loved each other, but they weren't in love. Mm -hmm. And so they got divorced pretty quickly, although they did have a daughter together. And then they remained really great friends after that. They could go back to being great friends again now that they got the marriage thing out of the way. And they, you know, had keys to each other's houses. They were always in and out of each other's lives. And then when her ex-husband got married, she went and served as his best woman. And so she, she ends her story saying, instead of opening a window when God closes the door, he sometimes builds an entirely different structure. Unbeknownst to us, when Mike and I took our marriage vows, we were committing to a lifelong friendship that would navigate both the for better 
and for worse times. Um, we've cemented a bond that continues to enrich our lives and the lives of our families. So here you have two families bonded through, you know, the marriage of, of them originally, which didn't really work. And I just thought it was really sweet and shows people how you can have a really good divorce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful story. Beautiful story. Chapter four. What's your favorite story in there? And I'll let you handle it since the chapter is about we all nuts here. (laughs) So uh, we have a regular contributor named Gwen Cooper. And this reminded me a little bit of my pickle story. Um, So her story is called Pepper Roulette, you know, like Russian roulette. Yeah. And she tells us, She was visiting her grandparents and her extended family in Michigan for the first time in a decade, and she was admiring her uncle's garden where he grew rows and rows of something called Hungarian wax peppers. And then her great uncle said to her, it's time for a pepper fry. So Gwen didn't know what a pepper fry was, but she was in for quite an experience. And her uncle went and got, a deep fryer from the garage, plugged it on the back porch, and then they all went out in the garden together and picked a bucket full of peppers, and then they fried them in this fryer and then put them out on a serving plate, and they sat around a big wooden table in the backyard, and they had beer to wash down these peppers. So it was one of those things. You ever eat, like, shishito peppers or peppers where, like, two might be mild and you know, bearable, and then one mm-hmm. might be super hot, and, and, you know, you feel your sinuses opening up. So that's the way it was with these peppers. So everything went fine for Gwen on her first pepper and her second pepper, and then on her third pepper, her mouth was on fire. But she didn't want to let on to anyone else how uncomfortable she was. So she looked around, and she saw that all of her family members were silently suffering. I mean, her second cousin had sweat running down his cheek. Her uncle Gary had tears coming out of his eyes. It was, it was obvious that everyone was suffering from at least one of the peppers they had eaten, but nobody would admit it. And they all just kept drinking beers to try to, you know, put out the fire in their mouths. And so I could just imagine that, you know, it was a really, it was really funny. Everybody trying to be brave. Um, the stuff that makes great stories and makes great chicken soup for soul stories. Hey, it's about macho-ness. How's that? I guess so. They were all trying to out-macho each other. There you go. There you go. Chapter five, Dad did what? And I love this chapter. And I'm going to go with the first story that I really like. Mom and the Lawnmower Tractor by Butch Halcombe. So Butch um, says that his parents, and, and by the time he tells us the story, his parents are more elderly, his parents would never go to the emergency room and tried not to go to the doctor either and definitely would never go anywhere in an ambulance. Like one time, <laughs> his father almost cut off his finger using a table saw And he refused to go to the emergency room because he said if it was still bleeding the next day, he would go to the doctor. So Butch, when he heard about this on the phone, drove the 20 miles to the house as fast as he could. And he found his father with his finger bleeding, wrapped in a towel. 
And he took his father to the ER over his protest. And there the doctor said the finger should probably be amputated, but his dad insisted on keeping it. And somehow he was able to save what was left of his mangled finger. And then another time, Butch's mother was in the middle of trying to find an ant colony. So she was following this ant because she needed to find the colony so she could kill all the ants. And she fell and broke her hip. And then she lay on the ground for 30 minutes because Butch's dad wasn't home. Then when his dad returned and he heard his wife crying for help from the backyard, he went to her and he tried to help her to stand up to walk it off. The woman had a broken hip. So that didn't work at all. And she was screaming and uh, cursing, which she didn't normally do. So then Butch's father decided that he would take her for help, but definitely not in an ambulance because they did not do ambulances. <laughs> so his plan was that he was going to put his wife in his own version of an ambulance. They had this metal <laughs> lawn cart that was attached mm-hmm. to their bright green tractor. Mm-hmm. And her, her father, Butch's father decided that he'd get this neighbor to help him. He threw some hay in this, in this cart, and he said to the neighbor, let's get her into the cart. And then he was actually planning to drive her in the, with the tractor pulling the cart the three miles to their doctor's office. <laughs> um, but luckily, some other neighbors found out what was going on and came over and dialed 911, and an ambulance came and took care of things. The, the proper way, but otherwise that poor woman would have been pulled by a tractor <laughs> three miles to the doctor with a broken head. Everybody has their own take on things, and unfortunately, like you say, because it's not quite the right thing, but it's not funny at that time, but when you look back at it, it's kind of humorous. Oh, yeah, it's really humorous. And Butch, <laughs> Butch actually writes really funny stories for us. Like he had another story about the time – he backed his truck up into a river, and he was totally to blame for it. But he, he wrote the story for us, and it was very, very funny. <laughs> Do you have a story in Chapter 5 that you like? So there's a story that gave me this idea about a fun way to make pancakes. So I really learned from this story. So it's by um, Marsha Scyther, and she talks about how her dad – used to make these pancakes with designs in them. So it wasn't just a matter of, like, pouring the pancakes into the right shape, you know, a letter or a number or Mickey Mouse, you know, with the round shape and then the mm-hmm. two round ears. Um, what her dad did was he poured a very, like, thin strand of the pancake batter and drew a design and and let that cook. And then... Once that had cooked, poured more batter on top of it. And then once that cooked, when he flipped it over, you could see the original design. And I thought, that is such a great idea. I am going to definitely try that. And I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. But anyway, what Marcia says is that she did not properly appreciate her dad. And so when he said that they should all try to make pancakes and have like a little competition making designs, she opted out. It was only a year later that she realized how blessed she was to have her father (laughs) making these special pancakes. And she decided that she would actually do it herself. So she developed an appreciation 
for her dad's pancake making um, a little late, but better late than never. Right, right. It's a wonderful story. I mean, it's cute. (laughs) It's very engaging from that perspective. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Wonderful Wacky Family, 101 Loving Stories About Our Crazy Quirky Families. Amy, Chapter 6, this is really, I don't know, it's kind of bizarre in a way, but it's funny. Not so grave, and the story that I like is Ashes, Ashes by Roberta Beach Jacobson. So Roberta's um, parents had died. And all of a sudden, she heard from her Aunt Sandy, who said that her parents' headstones were ready. And this was in New York, where her parents had come from, but decades earlier. And as far as Roberta was concerned, her parents didn't have any special affinity towards New York State. They had been in Illinois for decades, and they had specifically told her that they wanted to be buried in Illinois. So her aunt was insisting that Roberta send her parents' ashes to um, her so that she could bury them in New York. And so Roberta decided instead of fighting about it, she would just improvise. So she looked up what the average weight was of human ashes, you know, after cremation, She bought a couple of cookie tins that she thought looked like the urns you would get from the, you know, funeral home. And then she went to the pet store and she bought uh, white aquarium stones. And then she filled up each of the cookie tins with the right weight of aquarium stones and then boxed them up and um, sent them to the cemetery so they could be buried where her aunt wanted them to be buried uh, and, you know, never confessed this to anybody, and she got away with it. When I read that, I'm just trying to figure out what would I do. It's a toughie, don't you think? I think she did the right thing. Because the most important thing was to honor the instructions that her parents had left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. their wishes had to prevail. And as long as her aunt didn't know any better, her aunt could be happy also, and so yeah. nobody was hurt. Right. I agree with that part. I thought the solution was terrific, but it was just like a tough choice. Chapter 7, Family Fun. This is a really cool story. Freebird by Karen Langley Martin. So Karen moved to the suburbs from the city, and she bought six hens uh, with a variety of coloring, you know, six different designer hens, and she set up a chicken coop. And the chickens were really well-behaved. They were free-range during the day, and then at night they went into their coop, except for one of them, which was a little more free-range than desired. And that one flew up into a tree instead of walking into the coop, and then that one got away. So the next morning there was a post on the neighborhood Facebook page 
about this chicken. And the neighbors were excited about seeing this chicken, and they named her Free, Free Bird, and they reported on Facebook about sightings. But then when it got colder, Karen started to worry because two things were getting clear to her by January, that Freebird was not coming home. And the second thing she had realized was Freebird was not actually a chicken. She was a guinea fowl, and by accident she had bought five chickens and one guinea fowl instead of six chickens. And guinea fowls are more wild than chickens. And so uh, that was why this bird had been uncooperative, you know, and had gotten away and stayed independent. Um, And so that was her story about her errant hen that wasn't actually a chicken after all. Wonderful. That's amazing. Chapter 8, Grant and Great Underwear by Kate Bronson. This is funny. Yes. Grant, uh, Kate, Kate Bronson's story is about her grandmother, and um, Kate was with her mom and her grandmother, and they went to this gas station, and her grandmother hopped out to pump the gas. But as she kind of negotiated, you know, her way out of the opening of the, you know how you open the door, maybe the gas pump is close, so you have to kind of slide Mm -hmm. out sideways, and it's a little bit Mm -hmm. awkward. (laughs) So as she was doing this, Brandy got a funny look on her face, And then all of a sudden, she had one hand pinching her dress at her waist, and she was kind of shuffling her way to the gas pump. And she had said she was going to pay for the gas, but now she called out to um, Kate's mom that she should go inside and pay. Her face was bright red, and she said, I can't talk about it. Anyway, they got the gas paid for and pumped into the car, and then they got back in the car. And the truth came out. Granny had been wearing an old pair of underwear where the elastic was almost shot. And when she kind of wiggled sideways out of the car at the gas pump because the door wouldn't open wide enough, the elastic had finally let go and her underwear had fallen all the way to her ankles. And so she had stepped out of them (laughs) and kicked them under the car. So when they were leaving the gas station, she was like, we have to get out of here fast because they were leaving a pair of underwear behind them on the ground. Being there, I mean, if you were there, it, it would have been funny <laughs> to see the whole situation happening. Very, very interesting. Well, I'll let you handle Chapter 9. What's your story that you really like on this one? And the reason for it is because mom did what? <laughs> yeah, so I always like stories about moms knowing best because I am a mom and gives me great satisfaction when, you know, my kids are like, oh, yeah, mom was right all along. (laughs) So this is a story about a mom who was very wise. Um, This happened when Susan Zwern was a teenager. She had just gotten her license at age 19 after five attempts to pass the road test. Chances are she wasn't a great driver. Brand new driver, she scratched up the whole side of the family car while backing out of her college parking lot. She was using the car because her dad was on a business trip at the time. And her mom was very nervous about telling him what had happened to his, you know, precious car. But then she had this great idea. So when Susan's dad called that night from his business trip and asked how everything was, her mom said to him, not too good. Susie is pregnant. Oh, and by the way, she also smacked up the car. 
And there was this dead silence on the other end of the phone. And then <laughs> Susan's dad said, oh, my God, that's terrible. And of course, he wasn't worried about the car. He wanted to know who the father was. So then when her mom confessed that she had made up the pregnancy story, her dad was so relieved that he didn't care about the car at all. So I like that story a lot. <laughs> That's really genius. <laughs> Deflection. <laughs> Wonderful. Chapter 11, Family Bonding, My Wife's Ex-Husband by Grant Madden. So here we have another story about a good divorce. Um, <laughs> when Grant Madden married his wife, Susie, he was basically signing up for a blended family, but he didn't realize how much Susie's ex-husband, Joe, would be part of the mix and that he would actually become one of his best friends. But Joe immediately congratulated Grant on joining the family, encouraged Grant to co-parent their daughters. You know, so he was really welcoming of Grant as a stepfather to his daughters. And Grant says that as the girls grew up, his relationship with his wife's first husband, Joe, became more like brothers. They socialized together. They went metal detecting on the beach. They went to college football games. And they did so many things together. And then when Joe got cancer, it was Grant who drove him to chemo and went in and sat with him. And Susie and Grant were there together with Joe when he got his final prognosis, and Grant was actually with Joe when he drew his last breath. So Grant says he never imagined that his wife's ex-husband would end up becoming such an important part of his life. It's just a wonderful, heartwarming story because in the end, we're all people. We connect. And so I'm so glad that you all had this wonderful story in the book. I mean, it's just beautiful. We have a lot of good role models in this book mm -hmm. for how mm -hmm. to have a good divorce. Chapter 12. I'll let you handle this one because I know like kids will be kids. So you take it off from here. <laughs> sure. So this story is by Billy Holiday Skelly, who has been in one of our other books recently also. Um, she tells us about this time when she was with her kids, um, at the airport in Atlanta for a layover. Her kids were six, four, and almost two. And her four-year-old son, JP, had been excited about the trip for weeks. It was his first time flying, and he loved planes and spaceships and rockets and anything to do with flying and outer space. And so he was just enthralled by everything on the trip, the big jets taking off and landing, the swarms of people arriving and departing, those beeping people motor, you know, those people mover vehicles that you see in the mm -hmm. airport. Mm -hmm. And when they landed in Atlanta for their layover, there was a bit of a diaper emergency with the almost two-year-old. So Billy gathered up the three kids and they kind of huddled together in a corner around this small table where she could just very quickly change this diaper before it exploded everywhere. And as she was changing the diaper, Billy realized that the noise around them had decreased and everyone in the airport seemed to be looking at something. And then she <laughs> said what it was was this dignified procession of extremely tall, dark-skinned travelers. They were the tallest individuals that she had ever seen. And the tallest member who was leading the group 
was this distinguished-looking man who wore this long, intricately designed yellow and white beaded necklace around his neck. And he was followed by these eight really tall, beautiful women who walked in two rows of four behind him. And they were wearing colorful beads also. And they all wore these floor-length, brightly colored robes. And the robes billowed out behind them as they strode through the concourse. So they kind of looked like they were floating down the corridor. Mm -hmm. She said just their height would have drawn attention, but combining their height with their colorful robes and their beads and their kind of majestic bearing, just everybody was staring at them. And her four-year-old son, JT, darted out from where they were changing the baby and stood right in front of this group of people. And then, much to Billy's horror, he said, what planet are you from? Everyone around them heard this question, and some people laughed, and Billy was just so shocked and embarrassed. But to her relief, the man who was the leader just smiled and said, we are the Jiang or Dinka people of Sudan. And then he looked at JP, and he said, the Sudan planet. So JP asked him where his universal translator was since he was speaking an earth language (laughs) instead of whatever language they spoke on the Sudan planet. And the man pointed to that yellow and white necklace he was wearing. And JP said it was working perfectly because he could understand everything that this alien man was saying. And then JP stretched out his arms and took a little bow and said, welcome to our planet. And the man just laughed and lifted his arms in the same manner and bowed and said, thank you. And so it all went fine. But Billy was so embarrassed, and it could have gone really poorly, except that um, these people had a really good sense of humor about this little yeah. kid. Yeah. And um, anyway, then she explained to her son later that the airport was only for Earthlings, and there were no <laughs> interplanetary visitors there, and he was very disappointed. But I thought it was really cute. It is. I mean, the beauty of that story is, for one thing, kids are innocence, Right. And they're for real, I guess. And then the beauty of it also is as adults, we have a choice to, I wouldn't say play along, but it's part of an educational process. And it was done in a very eloquent way. Don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It was really nicely done. A really wonderful moment. It really was. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if the kid is like trying to pick on you. That's two different things, you see? Because here you know that it's for real. <laughs> True, definitely. How is chicken soup celebrating Thanksgiving this year? Well, you know, you know that we're in the entertainment business now, you know, mm-hmm. not just our books, but we have this big entertainment company called Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment and uh, we have so much to offer for the holiday season. So I don't know if I've told you about the new Chicken Soup for the Soul streaming TV service. So we mm-hmm. bought Crackle from Sony, mm-hmm. and Crackle oh. is one of the best-known streaming services where you can watch movies and television shows for free, you know, it's mm-hmm. ad-supported, so you watch a few ads, although not sure. as many ads as you would watch on um, broadcast television. And, you know, now, like, Netflix is going to have an advertiser-supported option that costs less. 
Ours is totally free, though. So Crackle is totally free. Amazing programming. In fact, right now, my husband and I are watching this show from Quebec. Mm. It's, um, it's in French, but it has really good English subtitles. And it's called The, the Wall, and uh, we're really enjoying it. It's, it's superb. And I keep having to remind myself that I'm not watching Netflix, I'm watching Crackle, and I'm watching it for free. <laughs> you know, this show is great. But um, Crackle has Sherlock. I don't know if you ever watched Sherlock, which is a BBC show. In fact, Crackle has all these BBC shows. But huh. So we have all this great entertainment for the holiday season. We have this new channel, the Chicken Soup for the Soul TV channel, that's brimming with great Christmas movies. And there's nothing better than watching Christmas movies in November and December. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have another streaming channel called Popcorn Flicks, which is more action, sci-fi, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) And then we have another streaming channel called Truly, which has more spiritual offerings. Mm -hmm. So we've got all this great programming for people as we head into Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'm really excited about that. And then, of course, we have, you know, our normal array of holiday books for people, which started in August with the Attitude of Gratitude book, which is a great way to Mm -hmm. set yourself up for Thanksgiving, and then we have our Miracles in the Unexplainable book that came out in September. The Magic of Christmas came out in October. Our devotional stories for mothers and grandmothers came out in October. Now we have My Wonderful Wacky Family. So we've got all these, well, five new books for the holiday season, Um, all these great TV shows and films to watch. So we've got a lot going on uh, for people um, so we're very pleased with that. That sounds very interesting. And they can get all this information at chickensoup.com, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, every, if you go to chickensoup.com, you'll see all our books there. There's one pull-down menu that says books. There's another one that says, um, <laughs> I think, TV and movies, something like mm-hmm. that. And you can find everything there. Uh, we have thousands of movies and television shows for people to watch. And they're, they're just really high quality. I, I'm really impressed with our offerings. I have nothing to do with it. I'm just sitting here and, and watching it like anybody else. <laughs> well, you made it happen. That's the most important thing. Well, you know, my husband runs that side of the business, and he's done mm-hmm. an amazing job. He's quite the visionary when it comes to uh, the entertainment industry. And so he's put together this amazing portfolio of TV shows and films that we can share with people for free. Wonderful. That's really wonderful. Well, you and I will be back together in about four weeks to talk about Chicken Soup's December special, which is the Christmas book. Oh, yeah, because it came out already, but that's just because it has to come out early for the retailers. But then you and I never talk about it until we're closer to Christmas when it seems more relevant. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We will be talking about that. Um, yeah, and, and you know, as we're heading into Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, I know you always like to talk to me about a recipe for living. I mm-hmm. really think I keep talking about some of these key themes, these are the things I've learned from doing yeah. this job for almost yeah. 15 years now. But I really think that we've got to concentrate on 
the power of gratitude and the power of forgiveness mm-hmm. as two amazing tools we can use to navigate the holidays. I mean, gratitude because it's so easy to focus on what you lack instead of what you have as you approach the holidays. And if you make a concerted effort to think about all of the things you're blessed with in your life, whether it's good health or not having financial problems or um, having great friends, having a good job, living in the place you want to live, not having an empty stomach. I mean, you think about how people Mm -hmm. live in the rest of the world. And then the power of forgiveness is so important for navigating all of those events where you're seeing family members you might not want to see so much, but you need to see them, or even <laughs> friends who you don't see as often. You know, they're more like yeah. friends you see during the holidays, and there might be some resentments or disappointments that you have to deal with. And so I really think that it's, it's so important to use gratitude and use forgiveness as you enter the holiday season. That's beautiful there, Amy. I mean, that's wonderful recipes for living. You're telling us to look through the lens of love, and you can't ask for anything more than that. So that's really beautiful. Thank you for the great recipes for living for that. And for spending this hour with me, I'm from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, November 9. My guest will be Sandy Hart. Sandy is an award-winning leader in the field of women empowerment and interfaith community building. She founded the Women's Interfaith International Grassroots Organization, Sarah which stands for the Spiritual and Religious Alliance for Hope. Sandy and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, The Liminal Odyssey, The Alchemical Power of the Spaces in Between. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Bye. Bye.